Hi everyone, and welcome back to another round of La Magicast. We know it's been a few games now since we've last recorded. Um, we'll try to do, do our best to get you up to speed with a heavy focus on the game that just happened earlier today, actually. Um, the win over Fiorentina. Uh, I'm joined by Alex, who's uh, pretty much the dedicated host of the pod at this point. Say hi, Alex. Hi, guys. And um, uh, somewhat of a regular now for us, who fills in for Greg quite often, we love having him on, um, Daniel Lissoni. How's it going, guys? So, fellas, today, coming into the match, we know we came off of four draws, one of which was, I believe, the game against Sassuolo, which was the last podcast we did. So we've had a few draws since then. Um... So we followed up 10 wins in a row with four draws in a row. Coming into the game today was a big one. Fiorentina, as we know, are a very good team. Very dangerous attacking team. Their defense was kind of shoddy, so um, I think they've mostly gone by by outscoring teams rather than, you know, taking a 1-0 lead and sitting back inviting pressure. But uh, going into this game today, despite all of that, I actually felt oddly confident. It's kind of the Roma way to, to play to the level of your opposition, We've had Fiorentina's number under Montella. We played them, I believe, three times last year between the Copa and the league. And with a much worse squad, we managed to beat them all three times. Um, so I, I felt pretty good. How did you guys feel going into this one? Um, I, I, I was confident of a good result as well because I think the four draws now have been against uh, teams that have been... Uh, more defensive-minded against us, uh, obviously, uh, and we have struggled without uh, Totti to open up uh, such strong um, uh, defense-minded teams. Uh, while Fiorentina, you knew that this was a team that wanted to play football against you, and when you face teams like this, you know that Garvino will have place and room to, to maneuver and, and I just felt confident that Roma could finally play some football again so I wasn't uh, surprised that we won actually um, well going into the game I was uh, I was fairly confident but I was a bit nervous about having to play Giuseppe Rossi but uh, I think our defense did well um, I was actually I actually thought we would dominate them a bit more because of their midfield I thought I thought Ambrosini and Aquilani would be a bit weak against, you know, Strutman and De Rossi, but uh, Fiorentina actually managed quite well. But yeah, I think uh, playing against some of the smaller teams, it was a bit harder for the likes of Jovino to have uh, space to run and get in behind the defence and in a more open game against Fiorentina. Um, he was given those liberties and uh, I think that's why he played so well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I think that um, a lot of the times what we saw was that without Totti, we struggle to create, to, to break down these kind of teams that come and they set up shop to defend. Um, especially guys like Jovino and Florenzi, they're not really known for their passing ability or being particularly, um, you know, particularly adept at kind of opening up a tight defense the way Pjanic or Totti can. So a game like this is definitely much more suited to Jorvino, um, which I think we saw today, even though I, I really didn't think his performance against Atlanta was as bad as some people made it out to be. Um, I think he did very well considering he's an attacking winger, and they were set up shop a lot last game. But in this game, I think he was absolutely dynamite. He was everywhere. He was constantly probing and pressing at their defense. Uh, they honestly had no answer for him. Um, 
it's not really a surprise he played such integral roles in both goals. I don't know if they both counted as assists. I think the second one did. The first one, I think, came off of Florenzi before Maikan put it in. But in both cases, it was all work from Gervinho by the byline to get the ball across the box. Um, which, again, I think kind of speaks to the weakness of Fiorentina's defense. It was kind of two balls played across the box that snuck past defenders for a Roma player to tuck in. Um, and I want to add uh, the match-winning goal came from uh, Destro, and I, I yes. think it was actually last podcast or the one before. I said, you know, we shouldn't make, put pressure on this guy. We can't rely on a on a guy who haven't played football for a year uh, before, maybe after, uh, you know, in uh, New Year, uh, and then he comes back and he scores the winning goal. That was um, quite surprised. Uh, positively, of course, to see that happening. So I'm very happy for the guy. Beside the goal, how do you see his performance and, and role in the team? I'll let, I'll let Julian, Julian have the one. You, you're quite a big Destro fan. I, I, I'm not a huge Destro fan. Um, actually, to be, to, to be perfectly fair, once he came on, I thought he was really invisible for the most part until the goal, um, which isn't unexpected. I, I mean, he... He hasn't played, I don't think, for us since last January. So if you're taking a player with the kind of injuries he had and throwing him on, I know he did very well with the Primavera last week. I think he scored twice. Um, but to play in a full Serie A game against a side as good as Fiorentina, after that kind of layoff, I wasn't I wasn't really expecting too much. Um, I was just happy he was kind of getting minutes and working back towards fitness. And I think Bren on Chiesa di Totti made a great point. He was talking about how... Um, that goal was kind of a classic Destro goal if we if we look at him because his strength has always been very intelligent runs into the box. He knows when to pull away from his marker and kind of how to create space for himself. And he did that again perfectly, which was really good to see because that's not really a skill you can kind of teach. You kind of have that or you don't. And when he scored that goal, it was a sign that, you know, it's kind of the old Destro is back. As long as he can stay healthy, he's always going to be able to kind of find these spaces. Um, and I think he has a lot of critics for... for his finishing at times is, is leaves something to be desired, but the finishing I think comes with confidence. It comes with form. It comes with experience. He knows how to get himself into places to finish, which is much more important. But that ability to kind of find those spaces and put yourself in a position to score a goal, um, that's kind of natural. It's kind of innate. So seeing him being able to do that again today, um, it was nice. It was just, you know, it's, it's like seeing Destro's really back on the pitch. Uh, you know, you need to ask yourself if if we would get another draw um, without a player like him, um, just the type of player like him on the pitch, since uh, Jajic yet again, um, you know, wasted uh, some opportunities, uh, and we, we doesn't we don't we don't seem to score enough goals uh, without certain you know um, elements in the team like Totti obviously uh, and with Borriello it doesn't really click up, up front um, now despite Destro not playing well we might actually have that right kind of forward in Totti's absence uh, when we have to play with that not with a false nine but with a real nine uh, up front so I'm, I will be I mean, he's, he's out of form or out of shape, so he, he will certainly get better as well. So I think we can expect more from Destro in the coming weeks. Yeah, Destro, um, like you said, Julian, he was a bit up, upset at being being uh, sub, subbed on and then subbed off, but it was the 
the correct move to make when Pjanic got a got a double booking and sent off. Um, but yeah, even besides his goal, I thought he I thought he had a few nice touches. He had a few um, neat dribbles. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we can get him back to fitness because if if we have him back, then we could have uh, we could have even Florenzi and Jajic on the bench. On the bench, that would be um, pretty good depth after November, where we were kind of you know, scraping the barrel of trying to get players into the starting lineup, like Marquinho and Caprari and whatever. Um, but yeah, in terms of the game, it was a good game. Um, I think the, f- the first 15 minutes were really open. I thought it was really entertaining. But then Roma seemed to have this this reoccurring theme where we kind of go into this lull, um, either after scoring or it's usually in the first half we have this lull where we kind of just let we we start to absorb the pressure from from the opponents. And I think even though it was less so in this game than in the game against Atalanta, I think it's a dangerous thing to to play with because a team like Juventus, who we play in three or so weeks um, events will punish us if we if we just sit back and absorb the pressure um, but other than that I think it was an improvement on the Atalanta game and that's probably because like I said we had more space to run around the defenders for Jovino etc so so yeah. yeah the only thing is I don't know why we started kicking the ball in the last 10 minutes and you know there was no Intent to go out and attack. It was just let's kick the yeah. ball out and give it to Fiorentina over and over again. So I mean, this could have been so much worse. I mean, we, we invited yeah. them to score against us. So the last mm. ten minutes, we were. I don't know if I want to see that happening too too often because yeah, with Gomez on the pitch, if he was injury free, you might as well have yeah. a, a different outcome. It wasn't even Gomez. It was if it wasn't for that tackle from Castan. They would have scored for sure. Um, right, right at the end. And, you know, I mean, it's tough to play the full 90 with full intensity. Even when we were kind of coasting in the beginning of the season, there were moments, there, there were spells where we kind of let up a little bit, but those spells tended to be after we were 3-0 up. And so it's a little bit more forgivable. Yeah. Um, but, you know, grinding out wins is always important. Um, three points is three points no matter how you get them. I do kind of agree with Montalo when he said that the, the draw, he thinks the draw would have been more deserved. He didn't really think Roma deserved to win. And to an extent, I agreed because there were large parts where Fiorentina kind of dominated the match. Um, yeah. but the difference was we were able to take our chances and convert them into goals. DeSantis again had it a very, very, very good game for us in net. Um, Venati mm-hmm. and Castan were almost perfect again. Um, and uh, the difference in this game was really just the defenses, I thought. The, the difference was when the chances came into Roma's box, almost every time we kept out the... We, we were able to maintain the danger and snuff it out. And when Gervinho got into Fiorentina's box, it was a hazard every single time. Um, their defense just had no answer for him. So that's that's his credit, but also to their deficit. Um, but there was another point I wanted to bring up, too. The referee. I, now, you guys know me. I usually don't. I don't talk about the referees for the most part. I think for the most part, you know, referees tend to even themselves out over the course of a season, and that decisions kind of even themselves out. But I thought Orzato had a bit of a nightmare today, especially for Roma. There were periods where it seemed like no matter what happened, he would not give a call to Roma. Um, and I think the most egregious call was when Kevin Strutman got kicked uh, somewhere yeah. between his chest and his back late in the game, yeah. and it was so obvious even watching it live. I didn't even need the replay to see it. And then on the replay, he lifts up his shirt and he has this enormous red mark right right underneath his armpit. And somehow it was a non-call. 
Um, now, I, I don't believe in like referee conspiracies, or, you know, anything yeah. like that. For me, it's more often than not just incompetency. But I thought that was egregious. And if we had lost the game after a play like that, let's say where he plays on after streaming gets kicked in the, you know, in the armpit, uh, that that would have been that would have been one of the times where I think the referee then act, actually did influence the game way too much. For the most part, I think you can kind of overcome refereeing decisions, but in situations like that, to have Pjanic sent off basically for arguing, and then his his tackle was pretty bad, but he was already booked for arguing with the referee, um, you know, which is upsetting. You, you figure if you don't agree with the referee, that's fine, but you have to kind of keep it. You know, there's only so much argument you can do before you know you're getting booked. But now we lose Pjanic for Milan because of the, because of Orzato. Um, he only, you know, Struman gets kicked and Orzato doesn't do anything. I, I didn't. I was not very happy with his performance today. So I'm glad we were able to win in spite of the referee. But I, um, I, I think I agree with you, Julian. That it's. I, I think <laughs> uh, as much as we love to talk about the referees, I think we most of us can agree that in terms of the 50-50s, you would expect. Fifty percent of them going your way and fifty percent not going your way, but um, right. I maybe I felt that we've been a bit unlucky um, and get none of the calls that could have been made for us. Yeah, like I said, I don't want to complain. I've had a few t- followers of mine tweet at me and actually say that I haven't been talking about it enough. And for the most part, I really don't think it's been too big of an issue, except for today. Today, I found it. You know, even when we were drawing, I don't necessarily blame the referees for not giving us penalties. But if someone's getting kicked in the chest, you figure it's the minimum it would be would be something like a free kick to wave play on after something like that. I found to be incredibly upsetting, especially during a period of really intense Fiorentina pressure when we kind of could have used a, a little break um, to, to try to, you know, change the match up a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't want to dwell on it too much. Like I said, if the team games usually, if the team is good enough, you can always win no matter what the referee is doing. If he's sending off a bunch of players, and of course it's a different story. Um, if he's giving penalties against you, it's a different story. But we've had no penalties against us at all this season. Um, so you know, I don't want to make it seem like we're getting screwed or anything. But it's today was a special. I feel like it deserves a special shout out because I, I, I thought there were quite a few fouls, especially from. Suffered by like Jovino outside the box, and he just was just not getting calls today. He was he was below par, but he uh, like he wasn't he wasn't that bad. But but yeah, there were a couple times that um, I remember even another incident with Kevin Strickland where he had he had about four Fiorentina midfielders around him, like kicking him, and he was on the floor, and and uh, we didn't get a free kick for that. Then obviously that high foot into his back, um, a few calls here and there that we could have had, but. I, like Julian, I, I put that down just to the standard of refereeing in Syria in general being slightly below par than any conspiracy theory. So, uh, so yep, yeah, um, I just wanted to quickly add that I thought Benatia and Castan actually did a, a fantastic job shutting down Giuseppe Rossi today. And I, I, I get into fights with people about this on, on the Twitter. Um, but I think I still think Dozo gets a lot of heat for for reasons I, I'm not really sure quite why. I, maybe it's because we have Mykon on the other flank, and Mykon is a very good fullback, and maybe he's unfairly compared to Mykon. Maybe most people forget that in the past few seasons we've been playing with guys like Rosie or Jose Angel on the wings. But Dodo shut down Cuadrado today, and Cuadrado was so affected by what Dodo was doing, he actually had to switch to the other flank to try to see the ball at times. Um 
but again, I, I'm still seeing a lot of criticism for Dodo, and I get it. He's not a perfect. He's not perfect, and he he played a role in the goal we conceded. He lost the ball in the build-up, which led to the goal. But if you watch that goal again, it's actually kind of a catastrophe of, of errors. The ball is able to drift all across our box, and no one gets to it before Vargas just kind of smashes it in with a beautiful shot um, that really gave the scientists no chance. Um, but no, but there were a lot of people at fault there. There was no midfield tracking back. Dodo losing the ball, you know, is, is it happens, but he didn't even run back into the box. He just kind of got up and slowly walked back. That's unacceptable. But I think he gets a lot of hate, and I think he actually did a pretty good job today against one of the best attacking sides with maybe the most attacking depth in Serie A. He, he played a very good part in keeping them quiet, especially a guy like Cuadrado, who's, who's been very, very good this season. Um, it's not easy to keep him quiet, and he's still only 21. I think the, the issue with Dodo is, I, I don't know, I, I'm a bit surprised that he looks so... A bit more uh, confident uh, defensively than he than his first year. He's grown a lot defensively, but I I would expect uh, more from him as a Brazilian up front actually. So uh, maybe I thought it would be the opposite that he was relentless mm. in defense and quite good offensively. But I I have the impression it's it's you know the other way around. He's young. He can still grow, but. Um, He's not world-class, we can all agree on that, uh, but he's a very good squad player, I guess. Um, yeah. 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 Um, I, would, I would just like to add, um, well, I'd like to urge any Roma fan who gets the chance to re-watch the game, um, just look out for how many times Borja Valero lost the ball today and how many times he, he gave the ball away. I mean, he's been one of the best midfielders in Serie A over the last season and a half. And I think if you watch, if you watch the game again, Although Pjanic wasn't very good going forward, he did so well to um, to put Borja Valero off. I counted about four mispla- misplaced passes, um, which for Valero is incredible, actually. So that was just one thing I'd like to add. Yeah, yeah. there were a lot of subplots in the games today's game too, because last year this fixture last year was decided a lot by Totti, who had a brace, and we ended up winning four two. So there was no Totti. There was the big questions, of course, of how are we going to shut out the likes of Rossi of Cuadrado, of Valero, you know, can Roma get back to winning ways? How is the defense going to do against a very attacking team? And I think for the most part, we answered the questions quite well. Um, if anything, I think Fiorentina are going to be ruining the fact that they weren't really able to convert a lot of what they did into more genuine chances. Um, and so I think Montella might want to work on finishing this week in training. Or, you know, just kind of those chance creations. Because we, I don't necessarily think, I don't have any of the stats in front of me, so I'm relying off of memory here. I don't think we necessarily created more chances than they did. I just think we were better at, at getting them into the net. Um, yeah, but speaking of numbers, we now have 10 points down to the fourth place, which is Fiorentina. And we have 7 points down to Inter, 5 points down to Napoli and uh, three points uh, up to Juventus. So in terms of the Champions League uh, goal, uh, this victory was huge. Uh, yes. Also to get back in the winning. Uh, another draw today would have been a huge blow, I think. Um, so this today's victory was massive in so many uh, ways. It's actually, a, we actually have a nine-point lead of uh, Inter. Is it nine? Ten of Fiorentina. Yeah, it's nine because they... Cause they uh, Messed up against uh, So we are actually, I think we're well on par for what we need to be doing this season. Um, 
and it, it, you know, it's, it's going very, very well. I, I know a lot of people wanted us to push for the Scudetto, but if you look at this Juventus side, I don't think anyone in this league can challenge them. They're just too deep. Um, the key to, to, the key to actually a push like that would be keeping hold of all these players if we do finish in a, a very good position and reinforcing with depth for next year. That way, in a situation like we were in this year, if, if we find ourselves without Totti and without Destro, if we have another player who can step in and score besides Borriello, then maybe we can talk about having the depth to challenge and things like that. Um, but, um, but uh, yeah, if, if the, uh, if the objective is the Champions League and depending on who you ask, it may or may not be, we're well on course for it. And I think the biggest difference between Roma and Juventus and everyone else is that Roma and Juventus and, well, Juventus now, maybe before the Fiorentina game, no. But right now, they're the only two teams in Serie A that seems to know how to defend. Um, and the difference, of course, between Juventus and everyone else is Juventus have an enormous amount of depth and, a, and that kind of winning mentality where after they lost the Fiorentina match, I think they've gone like seven games unbeaten and they've had a clean sheet in, I think, all of those games too. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's that's the reality of it. There's really no shame in, in tying a team like Juve. Um, I don't really see an issue with it. Um, or being, you know, being second to a team like Juventus. Um, no, not at all. But I think we, if we keep doing what we're doing defensively, I mean, come on, we have five goals conceded in 15 games. Is it? Yep. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's so... I mean, is this really Roma we're talking about? If you consider how many of them have been in recent games... Um, we went so long with without conceding a goal. And the encouraging thing for me, at least, is even when we do concede, we don't collapse anymore like we used to. We concede, and we just keep playing. We look for another goal. It doesn't lead to more goals. Um, you know, the reaction to conceding against Fiorentina, I thought, was pretty good. We, we, didn't, we didn't allow another goal from them. It really could have been, you know, Fiorentina just exposing us over and over again, but it wasn't. It wasn't like that. Um, yeah. It's amazing the difference that this defense has made. And look at just picking up. Yeah. No, go ahead, Alex. You can, I just you can wanted to add. I mean, look at Napoli, who, who is a, uh, a big rival in the in this uh, for Roma this season. Uh, they have conceded 17. So yeah, our defense is <laughs> it's uh, working. So um, while uh, Napoli has some uh, major problems uh, in their defense, while offensively, I think Juventus. Uh, Inter and Napoli all have 31 goals scored, and uh, all I think Inter scored three more t- today, so they have probably most scored goals. But still, uh, yeah. Roma has 29 or 30, so they right behind them uh, in, yeah. in that aspect as well. So I think the whole team is working, but our main issue is, uh, like you said, Julian, we don't have enough enough depth to to cover up for. Certain areas when when injury and suspensions uh, yeah. strike us. Well, just just speaking of Napoli, I just wanted to quickly add that as of this week, they'll probably be out of the Champions League, barring a, a major miracle, um, which will give them just really Serie A to focus on. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Di Laurentiis investing in them in, in the in January. So I wouldn't rule them out, you know, quite yet. They can still make a push, especially if they don't have the Champions League to be distracted by. But with that defense, you know, being exploited by the likes of, um, they played, was it, who did they play today? It was, um, or yesterday, was it? Um, Udinese. Udinese, yeah. Udinese, right, who, who had a lot of trouble stro- scoring this season. And I don't think Udinese had Di Natale or Muriel, um, and they still yeah. put three yeah. past them. Um, yeah. 
I mean, that that's going to be a major issue for them. Uh, not that it's, you know, not everyone kind of knows this by now. It's not a secret, but, so. Oh, my God, it's, come on, boys, <laughs> Can you invite uh, those girls to the podcast, <laughs> Julian? I know, I know. I had to move again. I, I warned you about this. All right. Um, so, uh, Milan next. Uh, like you said, Daniel, you would, you wanted to say something about Milan, and I think it's uh, only natural to do that now because uh, the, it's yeah. the net next game. Well, I was just going to say with um, now that uh, Pjanic is out and going to miss the game against Milan, I think maybe now is the best um, opportunity for us to try Florenzi back in midfield. Um, I'm a bit uneasy with putting Bradley there. Um, maybe I'm being too harsh on him, but I think if we can play Jajic, Giovinio, Destro in the front front three and then, and then put Florenzi, De Rossi and Strutman in the midfield, I think uh, we'll still have a very good chance against Milan, who have been poor so far. Uh, I know Bradley, is, is, it's, uh, he's um, a very particular kind of player because sometimes you're... You would tweet that it's so awesome to have him in the team because he's vital in in certain aspects of the game, and then the next game you will be, you know, almost crying because he's been quite poor. And I think it depends really <laughs> on the on, on the kind of team you're facing. And and I don't know with the kind of players Milan have in the midfield, I I wouldn't be uh, surprised to see Bradley. Uh, yeah. The young you see, and uh, my, uh, you see my, my point. I saw my point. <clears throat> who was who it? Milan played. Uh, Livorno. Oh yeah, against Livorno, they they looked so static and they looked so pedestrian. I thought um, Florenzi with uh, you know box to box kind of midfielder when he does play there, he's so energetic. I think he'd he'd uh, he'd run laps around that that Milan midfield, and that's why I would prefer him to Bradley. But that, I could uh, agree if this was a home game, but away to Milan, I, I think a more defensive approach is uh, needed to, to read the game and let Garcia read the game the first half and then maybe do some uh, special moves in the second half. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I don't know. I, I think you were you made a good point, Alex, about how you know, the midfield's got to be kind of set up based on the opponent, especially now that Pjanic is out, because otherwise it kind of sets up itself. With Milan, if Totti is fit and he can come back on in the second half, they're so static most of the time anyway, that I think we can win the midfield battle if we have De Rossi, Strutman, and Bradley, or De Rossi, Strutman, and Florenzi. Either way, I, I'm I'm very confident. I, I really don't put a lot of stock in their midfield. I'm yep. I'm much more concerned. The only thing I'm really concerned about is Balotelli and Kaká. It, it'll be up to our defense to keep them quiet. But their defense is incredibly porous. Their goalkeeping has kind of been a disaster all season. They really have no possession game whatsoever. Um, this is probably a good time to face Milan. They're kind of there for the taking. And I'm I'm you know yep. ultime parole famose. I shouldn't I shouldn't be too confident because it's going to be a tough game. But Roma Milan games for the past few years have usually been pretty good, and they've been pretty pretty yeah. good to us. We we kind of have we've been pretty good against them. Um, but you know, watching them this weekend, the kind of defending they put on for Lavorno's goals was just kind of shocking. It's almost impossible to imagine Roma conceding a goal like the first one that they conceded against Lavorno, where 
they just basically gave gave them all the time and space they needed to line up a shot and take it. Um, so I'm I'm actually I was much more worried about Fiorentina than Milan. I think now that we're back to winning ways, we kind of have momentum again. And Milan, they looked like they were going to get back to winning ways, and then they got they faltered again. Um, and if we, like I said, if we have a guy like Jardvino running at that defense. I, you know, I I would much rather be on Roma side than Milan's if I was a betting man. Uh, also, I think uh, Oscar uh, Blogistuta on Twitter he had an interesting tweet with some numbers that show that Milan has three players among the top long ball passers in the league. It was Mexis, uh, Montelivo, and I think it was Nigel De Jong, uh, who to- who was top three actually. Uh, with long balls and if they keep up doing that I think Benatia will have a very good game uh, against Milan yeah, yeah. Uh, they might they might have to if you look at our midfield even without Pjanic Struman and De Rossi well De Rossi likes to launch long balls too but Struman and Florenzi kind of like to play it along the ground or if you throw Bradley in there Bradley's not really one to launch long passes either for the most part he seems to like to play shorter passes sideways or backwards Um so um, for the most part, I think that we'll we'll see. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel I just feel confident going into this, which is odd um, because I usually don't feel confident. So that's probably not a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, their, Milan's danger is in their offense. Their defense, I think, has been exposed by most teams in this league. So I would be very surprised if we didn't expose it too. I just don't want it to turn into like a shootout if Balotelli decides to get his get his shooting boots on in, in the morning. It's going to be. Um, Dark job is going to really be keeping him and Kaka especially quiet. I think it will be an open game uh, at least, so that should be in our advantage given uh, our struggles against uh, teams with uh, the Catanaccio approach. So um, I expect a few goals in this game. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just looking now, they've conceded 23 goals this season, Holy which is worse. Than- I mean, we which have is- five goals. I mean, we have five goals. <laughs> And they have 23. 23. And that, and that's a worse defense than Lazio, than Atalanta, than Udinese. So I think Milan are there for the taking. I'd definitely put Florenzi. I'd be aggressive from the start. Um, try and get a couple goals lead and then sew it up with Bradley later on, rather. Yeah. And we, we shouldn't forget, we will probably bring Totti off the bench at some point in this game. Yeah. Which is a superb option to have against the truly awful center back pairing of Zapata and Max S. Um, even, you know, a returning to fitness Totti, I'm, I'm relishing seeing against the, that back line. Um, yeah. so if we need it, we, we actually will have kind of some depth because of Totti's injury. I would be shocked to see him start because he didn't play at all today. But if we need him, he's and even if we don't, I would expect him just to get minutes, just to get back towards full fitness. Um, but it, it's shaping up nicely, you know. It actually, it's funny we played Fiorentina and Milan almost back to back last year this time too, and we won both of them. Um, yeah, I and I think we won both of them by a four-two scoreline as well. So this year, not quite, not quite the same. But if we win both of them again, I would be more than happy. Milan, of course, is a team that likes to charge up the table in the second half of the season. Um, so we want to keep as much distance from them as possible too, because they're going to get better. We already know they're getting Rami and Kuseki Honda. Um, so they're going to be a better team in the second half of the season. They're definitely going to march up the table and we want to keep them as far away as possible because if we're all competing for European places, the, the bigger, you know, the more work they have to do is the better for us. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much faith in uh, this Milan uh, and uh, do the same thing that did last year. But I, I do expect them to 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 uh, do something in January, perhaps beside uh, Honda and uh, Rami. So uh, you know, uh, but besides, uh, I don't think I, I think they will struggle even with them as long as they keep uh, Allegri actually. So. Uh, well, all we know, they might even sell Balotelli, so that will be interesting to see if... if now, th- this isn't a Milan podcast, but I'm actually of the opinion they should sell Balotelli. Um, yeah, not, okay. not because he's a bad player, because I think his pr- the price that he, they could get with him, they could actually use to build a deeper and better squad overall. Um, because some of the... I mean, they actually have a good starting 11. I think Adam Digby makes this point on Twitter all the time. They do, but, but their depth is really bad. If you look at Kevin Constant, they have guys like, you know, um, Bersa playing and stuff like that. They, they, that's not Milan caliber players. This is not the Milan you would think of, you know, when you think of any Milan side. This Milan side is surely among the worst of all time. Um, it's, it's gotta be somewhere up there. And if Balotelli can get you a good 40, 45, 50 million and you can use that to actually build a better team overall and you get a better coach, I think they'll be better in the long run for it. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, I think, well, I'm starting to think that Balotelli does cause more problems than he solves anyways. And yeah, if you can get a decent amount of money reinvesting, probably probably the defense needs it the most, I think, despite Rami's uh, arrival. I think you need to add there. But yeah, it's not it's not a Milan podcast, but anyways. Yeah, not the time nor the place, but if, if we're going to preview <laughs> them, we might as well give our honest opinion. So let's go over to the questions. Um, I have a question from Lee Roberts, our friend who's been on this podcast before, who says, many players one yellow away from suspension and Juve on the horizon. Uh, a bit of, of a worry and a worth a mention. I don't know, who, who risks uh, a suspension now in the next game? If, uh, well, we know Benatia for sure has, has done it already. He's gotten his and he's done his suspension. And Pjanic um, is out um, now. Which is Pjanic good. is out. Right. Okay. I, I've got I've got I've got the names here. It's um it's De Rossi, Florenzi, Jaic, and Strutman. One yellow card away from suspension. But they should. That's not so bad. That's just like the whole midfield. But we want to get uh, we want a few of them to pick up yellows against Milan then because home against Catania is uh, yeah is probably I, I, a better I, place. I, I, ideally, ideally we'd have De Rossi get one and then. Strutman in another game so that we only have to play one game with only one missing if you know what I mean yeah it would be I think even against Catania I I would be a bit nervous I was just I don't think any of those are really irreplaceable because we've talked about Bradley before Bradley can't replace Bjarnic but I think he does a decent job if you were to replace Strutman or Rossi now would you want him against Juventus no of course you'd want the two of them but you know I I don't know I'd be interested to see if, if they do pick up yellow cards next game Suspiciously, magically, or on purpose, I don't know. I mean, you, you know, these things are in the back of everyone's mind. Um, yeah. but uh, then again, is if we risk, if we risk having them fit for the Juventus games to the point where it hampers how we play against Catania and we drop points against Catania only to tie Juve, then you wonder, it would have been better just to beat Catania and lose the Juventus points wise, you know, stuff like that. So, it depends. Yeah. I don't know if, if people like to, to, I guess it's a part of the game where the coach 
I mean, you've seen Mourinho uh, send his players out to get a, a sec, you know, a yellow card. I think it was Ramos. Yeah. In the Champions, in the Champions League. League. Yeah. It's a powerful game. So, uh, but I don't know if Garcia is that kind of coach that Strutman go and, and get a second, uh, not a second yellow, but a yellow card just to, to get the suspension and be ready for Juventus. Yeah, but you know, you know, Alex, if, if he doesn't do that and they pick up yellows against Catania, Garcia will be crucified yeah. for not making yellows against Milan. Although it always depends. If, if we needed to score against Milan late in the game, it would be very foolish to make someone get a yellow so they miss Catania and be back for Juventus if we need, you know, if, if that's not what we need at the time. So it really depends on how the games are going and things like that. If we're cruising against Milan and someone gets a yellow, then that's different than if we're down 1-0 and Struman commits a terrible car just to get booked so he can come back for Juventus. You know, it, it, it's always very situational, I think. Yeah. All right, next question. Uh, I will uh, pick up this one. Uh, this is from Anthony Samparelli. Uh, and this is, uh, and he's American, but he doesn't have much faith in, um, in uh, Bradley because he says what uh, Daniel just said. What do you think of Florenzi dropping into center midfield next week and starting Destro? No Bradley as vice pianist, please. So it's more or less to the point you made, Daniel. Uh, bring yeah. uh, Florency back in the midfield, uh, but I, I we answered that question I think already. I think me and yeah. Julian perhaps want Bradley to have a another shot in the in the mid, midfield uh, because it's an away game. So I think it's I think it's uh, I, I expect Bradley to be um, starting next weekend or oh, next Monday is it I think. All right, I'll just jump to the next question from Stuart. Harper, a friend who asks us, what, if any, emphasis do you guys place on Roma securing a win without Totti having to get his boots mudded? Right. We we did win. The, you know, he was injured against Napoli, and I believe we won the next two games, and then we drew the next four. He's been yeah. out for a while. Um, uh, well, so, you know, he did play against Napoli only just 30 minutes, but still, he, he, he will be counted for in that game, I think. But but even the two games after Napoli, I thought we won by like one goal, which was yeah, very narrow wins well. right. But, but not every win is going to be three nothing, and not every game. I mean, Totti has played a lot of games for us. We've also lost a lot of games with Totti on the pitch, um, and we've won. You know, we had the Scudetto push under Ranieri without. Um, maybe was that that year we did it without Totti and Vucinic kind of came alive a lot and kind of carried the team. Um, so, you know, it, it, the Totti dependence thing for me is kind of natural. If you have the best ever player to play for your club currently playing, without him, your team is going to be worse. It's, it, of course, how, it's not going to be any other way, even at his age, because he's still so good. Um, the import, yeah, it's always important to win. I, I, you know, sometimes I, I wish Totti wasn't always the focal point because I think it takes away from some other people. I think Destro deserves a lot of praise this game. Um, and when we were losing, like I said, or when we were tying, because we haven't lost yet, it, I, for me, it was not because Tolti wasn't on the pitch, because we were still making chances. For me, the difference was we weren't finishing them anymore. It looked like a, like a, some kind of a mental issue. Um, and then I think last week getting that late goal from Strutman was really key in bringing that mentality back. And you kind of saw a different Roma today that was more, it looked more like they really wanted to win and were capable of winning, um, than we saw in recent weeks. Um, 
So I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of ambivalent on the on the Totti situation. I'm I'm actually glad he brought it up because uh, I talked uh, a bit on Twitter and with friends about Roma with and without Totti, and uh, it's it's yeah. Of course, we can win without him. I mean, I, I guess of the four games we drew, it was so close to a victory. I mean, a, a last call draw against uh, Sassuolo, who scored in. In the last second, and uh, we had a couple of shots in the post as well. Uh, but still, it's so different with Totti on the team. I mean, the, the the guys up front they can make great passes, but Totti makes a perfect pass, and that's the difference between a certain goal and a big sc- uh, goal-scoring chance. Uh, and uh, I guess if we want to dream to go all the way uh, which we are of course allowed to <laughs> uh, we need nope. to be uh, yes Julian uh, we need to be to be to be there uh, almost every game that's how dependent we are uh, to the, the level that needs you need to be to be fighting for glory uh, and um, without him we're, we're not the same uh, team uh, he's a leader and he's a world-class player that brings and lifts everyone around him, and it's it's so sad that he's been <laughs> injured for so long during this very special moment for the team. So uh, I will be excited to see him back, just to see how if he still uh, performs uh, in on in that level on that level he he's been. So um, yeah, I think it's uh, sad that we're so dependent on a 37 year old, but uh, still it's Totti. So. No Totti, no party. Yep. All right. Uh, a couple of... Okay, this is perhaps not a question for us, but it is for Julian. Uh, Ray Stanton, Retro Ray on Twitter asks, How scared is Julian when he sees Daniel De Rossi or DDR during warm-ups? I think... Okay, I think I know what this is referring to. There was one game earlier in the season, I believe. I think Daniel's right. Where they were showing the warm-ups and they, they zoomed in on De Rossi and he had this ferocious look of intensity on his face. Yeah. And, and I have to admit, I was kind of scared when they zoomed in on him then. <laughs> but it was only at that one time. It's not normally. I'm not usually scared of him. Yeah. Usually you have the man crush. Like, yeah. Usually I just have the man crush. That's right. All right. Last question, and now this is a, a, a January uh, transfer window related question from our friend Scott Scott Monroe. Um, what players would you like to see come to Roma in the January transfer window? So, I mean, we don't play this uh, Fanta Calcio too often, but if if you guys could say like one player that we that, that a certain type we wanted to to lift this team, uh, who would it be? Um, well, we got another question from Chris Totti, which I don't think is his real name. Um, <laughs> the same question, um, uh, asking also about Sanabria, but, um, the most realistic transfer and the best possible transfer, I think, is still Danilo D'Ambrosio from Torino. I think, I think left, left back. Although I, I agree with Julian, um, Dodo has improved and I think he's been Better than most people give him credit for. I still think it's probably our weakest link in the ch- uh, in the chain, and I think yeah. D'Ambrosio at left back would be. I think it would it would really help us to 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 push for a top three place. I, I, I don't. 
I don't think Wales we'd we we have to buy someone. I think is, he, is he a step up? I mean, he's young and talented. I I, I get that, but he's is he really going to make a difference right now, or is he just a well, future prospect? If you know what I mean. I, I I'm a big fan of him. I think he's he's better than. Well, I've I've a bit of an agenda against Balzaretti, but I think he's better than Dodo and Balzaretti defensively. And uh, when you watch him play for Torino, I think his delivery and his crosses are are much better than than the other two as well. So yeah. I think yeah, I think you, I think it would make a big difference actually. Um, That's so, a good point. If, if yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, uh, that was a terrible. I was just going to say, if he does come in, you have to. You would, of course, expect one of the balls of Etienne and Dodo to go. Uh, not many teams have three left backs floating around. Um, realistically, I think who I would like is some kind of some kind of vice Pjanic, uh, some kind of creative play, creative um, you know creative midfielder we can kind of have on the bench playing like a, a semi regista role for when Pjanic is out because we've already seen he's been out quite a few times this season. Um, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say a striker because now that we actually have Destro and Totti back, it's gonna—I can't imagine—they're both gonna get injured again. Um, so, I, I, for me, it would be a player like that. I—I I, I can't say I have a name in mind necessarily for who it would be. I would kind of trust whoever Sabatini goes after if he decides to do to go after someone. But that's the role I think we need to fulfill. I think I agree with uh, Daniel on the left back uh, thing. That's perhaps the most. If we want to improve the starting eleven, that's where we want to go. Uh, but if we want to look at uh, the alternatives coming from the bench, I uh, haven't been too impressed with uh, Marquinhos. And um, I mean, yeah. I'm glad to have them. But if we want to bring someone from the bench, I think we have to look on a, a wise Pjanic or wise Totti. I think uh, as for Marquinhos, I, I I think it's. I think he needs to play to really to grow in and and become a, a good player for us. And if, if he doesn't yeah. play, I think we might as well sell him uh, because he hasn't been too uh, impressive. So if not the left back, perhaps someone uh, replacing uh, Marquinho if you want to replace a, a player like him, but someone coming yeah. in to, from the bench and playing a, a wide up front or uh, midfield. I do like. D'Ambrosio, I haven't seen much of him play, but I think, from what I've seen, he is pretty good. I just question the strategy of basically replacing a 21-year-old with another very young kind of fullback. Um, because even if Ambrosio has a higher ceiling and he's better today, we're still going to kind of see the same, you know, there's going to be moments where you, you don't expect perfection from fullbacks that young. I, D'Ambrosio, I forget how old he is, but he's also like under 21. Um, so, I like, like I said, I like him. I never have a problem with putting more Italians into the team, but I, I would feel bad for Dodo because then you have two 21-year-old left backs on the team. Uh, you know, it, our right back situation is a little bit better. You have Mike Conan and Torosidis. They're both a little older. Mike Conan is older than Torosidis by a few years. It's a good depth. But if one, if Ambrosio Dodo has a bad game and we need to put on another fullback to replace him, I'm not sure the other one is going to be substantially better. I actually, uh, actually, I would keep Balzaretti even if it's purely for, for the mentality thing. I think he's a, I think he's a nice character to have in the, in the locker room. And when we we saw from when he scored against Lazio, yeah. um, the kind of emotion he has. So I would, it's a bit harsh, but I'd probably I'd probably kick Dodo out on loan or, yeah, or something exactly. if Ambrosio did come. Yeah, 
I agree. And uh, and bring Dodo back as a backup when uh, when the Barcelletti yeah. is gone. Yeah. All right. So uh, that was it, Julian. Turn to wrap up. Yes. Yep. Any cl- any closing comments before we go? Anyone else want to say anything? Conceded five goals. We rock. We're going to beat Juventus and win the Scudetto. Oh yeah. <laughs> You fool. Mm. You fool. That's it. That's it. Um, I had I had a comment, but I'll save it for a different podcast because it could be it could be a, like a whole conversation. Um, okay. So um, yeah, I guess uh, we'd just like to welcome you all for joining us again for another episode of La Magicast. We did a little Milan preview, a little Fiorentino review, some uh, Fanta Calcio talk. Um, and, and this end- is Julian. And you end with on a cliffhanger, actually. So that's uh, and I did. I ended on a cliffhanger. Um, I don't. I don't know if you're going to keep that in the pod or not. But if you do, then uh, maybe I'm probably going to forget what I meant to say. So I'll tell you guys after the pod is over recording. That way, if, if it comes up in the future and I forget, Alex or, or Daniel, you could remind me what it was. All right. Okay. Uh, so I'm Julian for Alex and Daniel here. I'd like to say grazie Roma. Ciao, guys. Ciao. Ciao. ciao.